The word I want to teach you, the word that I want to circle around today is that word that Gwen was just talking about. It's the word holy. Now, I grew up going to church. I mean, I can't remember a time in my life where, where the Sunday morning routine didn't include like this, what we're doing right now. And I grew up in a very liturgical church where, you know, the pastors wore robes and we had candles and altars and, and organs and things like that. And, and what I remember from being a kid growing up is that we had the word holy everywhere. And I don't mean just like said everywhere. It was like plastered all over the building. I remember we had this like this altar that would like sit there in the middle of, of like the stage as we would call it. And it was just boom, this big solid thing. And they would like change like the, the tablecloths on it, like, like seasonally and things like that. And I remember we'd always say on it, holy, holy, holy. And you'd look around and you would see like this like artwork that they would have and like these stained glass things going on. And this word holy would seem to pop out here and there. And like you would sing the songs and, and do the chants and you know, all that kind of stuff. Some of you who grew up in this, you know what I mean, where you'd sing these, 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 these like chants and these songs like, like, bless this holy house for all who offer here their worship and praise. And those of you who grew up in it, you know exactly next what to say. Or holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, God of power and might. And, and, and this word holy saturated, the pastor would wear these like, these like white robes and he would wear like these ribbons around the robes. And I remember vividly how they would often say holy on it. And it was one of those words that I grew up with. Because of kind of like the multi-sensory bombardment around me, knowing there was something churchy about this word, because no one else uses the word holy. I mean, honestly, uh, unless you're talking about like literal holes in something, right? Do, do you see any other context where people use the word holy? So for me, holy meant churchy. And straight up, I mean, as a kid, I mean, I didn't dislike going to church, but I didn't really find it riveting either. It, it was kind of, well, the same thing every week. And you had to wear like your nice clothes and mom kept going, shh, shh, you know, throughout and, and those kinds of things. And so holy often kind of had this almost stern quality to it. Not mean, not angry, but be quiet. Listen. Almost await, if you will. There was something, if I could use the word, like reverent, sacred, if you know what I mean, tucked in with this word Holy. It wasn't until later in life that, that I started to kind of drink in this word a little bit more deeply, a little bit more for what I think 
It entailed, I think this, this amazing vision of Isaiah. He's up in the throne room of God. He's transported up into like the throne room of heaven. And there's God. And it is overwhelming. I mean, you talk about multi-sensory overload. He is just kind of like floored and frozen. And he sees these beings surrounding God. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who was and is and is to come. The, the fullness of the earth is his glory. There was power to this word. I came to discover majesty and might, something big and transcendent, something, the Hebrews would put it like this, kadosh, that Yahweh is kadosh. You just gotta get that on your throat today, don't you? This morning, kadosh. Yahweh fundamentally is someone kadosh. He's Holy, because there's something about this transcendent God who is utterly kadosh, which means really this, different. There is something fundamentally about him which is different than all others, different than everything else. We might use a thousand comparisons to try to understand Yahweh, to try to approach him, to try to kind of line up with what he's about, but at his core, there is something so fundamentally different about him, something, well, what have we been saying, incomparable. That Yahweh at his core is so different than us, so kadosh from us, so set apart from us, so incomparable to us that he's, that he's clouded in mystery and for many people even unknowable. And then yet this kadosh God who is set apart in different comes near. He comes to us. He comes to us and says, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Yahweh. And I want to know you. And I want you to know me. This great mystery, this great paradox of the witness of, of Jesus in the Bible. That the great unknowable, kadosh, incomparable God makes himself knowable, relatable, approachable, and wants to be known by you in the most close, personal, intimate kind of ways. This is the stuff like Isaiah is drunk on. We've been going through Isaiah. Those of you who are new with us, we've been, we've been going through this, this ancient prophet Isaiah and, and discovering how words spoken 2,700 years ago are more relevant today and alive today than ever, and, and Isaiah is just lit up, lit up on the idea of an incomparable Kadosh Yahweh, who strangely then makes himself knowable to you. I want to take you through this, this amazing chapter today. It comes out of Isaiah 40. And, and I just want you to let the language start casting the picture of this Kadoshness of who Yahweh is and what that actually means. He goes through a series of questions, one after another, after another, after another, bombarding you, just trying to get you to wrap your mind, if it's even possible, 
around it. Oh, Kim, I love you, but we're not ready for that yet. That's later. Listen to some of this. Who scooped up the ocean? In his two hands, right? Who scooped up the ocean in his two hands? Who do you think? Who's measured the sky between his thumb and little finger? Who do you think? Who has put all the earth's dirt in one of his baskets, weighing each mountain and hill? Who do you think? You get in the flow, right? Who could have ever told Yahweh what to do or taught him his business? What expert would he have gone to for advice? What school would he go to to learn justice, to learn the right ways of doing things? What God do you suppose might have taught him what he knows, showed him how things work? Who do you think? No, no, not Yahweh, nobody. What God? Nobody, right? Nobody. Why the nations are but a drop in the bucket, a mere smudge on a window. Watch him sweep up the islands like so much dust off the floor. It goes on. Who even comes close to being like God? To whom or what can you compare him? Some no-God idol? That's ridiculous. They're made in a workshop, cast in bronze, covered in gold. Then they hire a woodcarver to shape him out and give special care that he doesn't fall over. Look what he asks. Have you been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do, the rulers of the earth. They count for nothing. Princes and rulers, they don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted. They shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone to the wind. So, who is like me? And over and over again, what is it pounded out? Who is like me? No one's like me. There is no one quite like Yahweh. Read Isaiah 40. Honestly, go home today and just open this up and soak in this for a few minutes. Because again and again, it keeps pounding the idea home. There is something different. There is something different about this God. And for those of you here who grew up like me, surrounded by the name of Yahweh, surrounded by Images and illustrations, teachings and pictures, art and words, surrounded by him so that you've come to know him. And he feels more familiar to you than your own thought. It can be surprising to have to step back again 
and go with this one that I am so deeply in relationship with and feel like I know better than I know myself, who is still fundamentally so different, so incomparable, so kadosh from me. For those of you who haven't grown up with this, where God maybe feels more unfamiliar, unknown, and maybe even uncertain because of that. The message of Isaiah is that, yes, this unknowable God that you sense, this God who is so different and bigger than other. Well, what's the point of all these questions? That no matter how different and uncomparable I am, you can come to me. Because see, the point of all of this, this this whole thing, that God is something so different, that God is so different and incomparable, is because for so many of us, we go chasing after solutions, answers, fixes, helps, and salvations. We find ourselves in, in a life that has uncertainty. And that uncertainty can be scary. And it can be scary because a lot of times we come face to face, don't we, with like these uncertain things going on and they are so much bigger than anything we can handle. So much bigger than we can even wrap our minds around or or navigate our ways through. And a lot of times we come face to face with this type of stuff. And it kind of feels like it wants us and I don't mean in a good way. It's like, this ain't favorably disposed to me. This is out to get me. And it can be exhausting, can't it? Running after so many things that promise to be the answer, to be the fix, to be the solution, to be the way through, only to get disappointed again and again and again. Finding that ultimately, Nothing can do it. There's certain things that nothing can fix. Oh, there's many things that can help for a bit. And what a gift of God those are. But then there's those other things that are just so much bigger that we find ourselves helpless and hopeless before them. You know, I meet some people that they they kind of just accept it and they resign themselves to a certain powerlessness before those kinds of things in this world. And for some of those people, you know, maybe you, it it actually even brings a certain sense of relief. But isn't that relief always just kind of couched in a certain hopelessness or inevitability? might be the better, you know, way of saying it. And it's exhausting. Israel was exhausted. 
Israel, you know when Isaiah's writing this to them, they find themselves in a situation that's helpless and hopeless. I mean, they've, they've tried the fixes. They've, they've tried navigating it through. They've tried kind of their own self-help program. They've tried, they've, they've tried doing it all, and nothing is going to change the fact that what life means for them right now is hopeless and helpless. Resigned to the fact that this is just the way it is and just the way it's going to be. Isaiah comes to him. He comes to him and says, like, I got a message for you. I, I want to tell you what God is thinking. Because I've seen him. I've met him. I know him. I want to tell you what he's thinking. I want to tell you what he's saying. You think this stuff is big, but there is no other like Yahweh. And because there is no other like Yahweh, there is no one else who can do what Yahweh can do. And I'm here to tell you this, Israel. I'm here to tell you this. Yahweh has not forgotten. Yahweh has not written you off. Yahweh is not weak. Yahweh is not unable. Yahweh has not forgotten you. No. No, Yahweh alone is able. Because there is nothing quite like him. And he cries out to these people of Israel, inviting them to dare to believe that what Yahweh says just might be true. What are you facing? Hmm? Big things? Little things. You know, I bet it's both. I bet it's both, and I bet there's more than just one in each camp. But I love that image. Those things seem pretty big to you. Who alone has scooped up the oceans in his hands? Who alone has measured heaven in his fingers? How much more? Is, is Yahweh able to take your things then? Your things then too? Because I tell you, even the strongest of us, there's certain things against which we're no match. Would you agree? You know, even those of us who have persevered and prevailed and fought a way through, we've pulled ourselves up and we've kept going. Even the best of us, there are things which we stand hopeless against, completely at the mercy of, completely unable to, but not Yahweh. Not Yahweh. Yahweh alone is Kadosh. Holy, different and incomparable. Nah. He, he's able to.
I tell you, knowing that, knowing him, and finding the fixes, answers, solutions, and salvations in him, you're going to find that's completely, I'll tell you, completely incomparable too.